You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 254th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 849th episode overall of the Assembly Call. Recorded here on the evening of June 15th, 2022, not the 16th. We are going one day earlier than our usual schedule here on Wednesday evening so that we do not conflict with Game 6 of the NBA Finals on Thursday because, of course, there's a Hoosier in the NBA Finals. He's only getting mop-up duty, but it's still cool to see Juwan Morgan uh, getting in there, grabbing a rebound in the NBA Finals. We didn't want to conflict with that, so that's why we are doing it here one day early. And I am your host, Jared Morris. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. This week's banner moment occurred on Tuesday when the NCAA released its latest batch of academic progress rate scores, better known as APR scores, for the 2020-21 season. You'll recall that APR scores are meant to measure a school's recent history of athlete eligibility and retention. Now, why do these scores matter? Well, here's language directly from the NCAA. To compete in 2022-23 championships, teams must achieve a 930 four-year APR. In other words, if you want to have a chance at the NCAA tournament, you have to keep that APR above 930, which essentially means that you graduate about 50% of the players that you enroll. And Indiana certainly did that by a lot. For the 2020-21 season, which is the most recent season for which these scores have been released, men's basketball was one of 13 Indiana programs to receive a perfect APR score of 1,000. So congratulations, absolutely in order for the entire athletic department for that achievement. And, you know, specific to basketball, an earnest and appreciative hat tip should be lifted in Archie Miller's direction. I'm going to read now from this week's Inside the Hall piece on IU's APR scores. Alex wrote, quote, after its multi-year APR fell to 944 in the 2017-18 academic year, and again, 930 just to make the NCAA tournament, IU men's basketball now has a multi-year APR score of 995. The multi-year score released this week includes the 2017, 18, 19, 20, and 21 academic years, which are the four years Archie Miller served as Indiana's head coach, unquote. So while Archie's tenure ended after those four seasons and IU basketball is now in a better place on the court with Mike Woodson, the work that Archie and Indiana's academic support staff did to reverse the troubling academic trend under Tom Crean continues to pay dividends now. The Hoosiers are in a strong position academically, one of only three Big Ten schools with a four-year APR of 995 or better, and have put any risks of missing the NCAA tournament for academic issues firmly in the rear view. All right, let me now introduce my co-hosts for this week. Andy and Ryan are off, but here with me, to my left, 
He is a longtime high school basketball coach in the state of Indiana, the founder of the Delphi Bracketology Club, and a man who is well known for his antagonistic feelings toward orange vegetables. I don't like carrots. <laughs> no, he doesn't. He is the coach, Brian Tonsoni. He remembers the days when a movie cost a dollar. Heaven help you if you ever decide to pop your collar. Play hard, but remember, fake hustle is a crime. He's the coach and it's Tonsoni time. Practice? Talking about practice? Coach? We're not even talking about practice yet. Still the offseason, although workouts have started. But what's on your mind this week? Well, there, there's quite a bit, and I've had to readjust my uh, thoughts on carrots after uh, my heart event a couple uh, <laughs> weeks ago. Lots of vegetables going in this guy now. Um, but, you know, you always got to make changes, uh, and, and Indiana made some good changes in the APR uh, under Archie Miller, and then Coach Woodson's come in and made some changes on the basketball court. And, again, we're talking about an Indiana program that is where everyone likes it to be, doing things right for the most part, off the court, uh, academically at least, and then uh, on the court and recruiting. So it's been a good offseason so far. Nothing but positives with some of the national attention in the rankings. The thing that I'm looking forward to, Jared, is, is a little discussion later on when we talk about you know, the roster and some lineups. There's a good question coming up. Is C.J. Gunn? Um, you know, he had a really good Indiana-Kentucky All-Star Series, was the leading scorer, and I believe the MVP of, of that. Uh, this past weekend and, and his ability to score and, and add to that Caleb Banks, two of the two of the freshmen that aren't talked about right away when you talk about the incoming recruiting class that is one of the best in the nation. But you talk about C.J. Gunn and Caleb Banks, they're at least going to push people that we think are going to start and play major minutes ahead of them. And it gives Coach Woodson a lot of opportunities to give some minutes and some bursts uh, to to put the ball in the basket as we all lament the 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 lack of shooting that has gone on and there's another good question about that also coming up but boy it's exciting for me to see cj gunn caleb banks and and we know their offensive potential combined with the overall play of malik renault uh and Jalen hood shafino added to the guys coming back so uh you know the offseason doesn't have a lot to talk about but that was something positive in hoosier uh nation just recently absolutely all right, to my right, he is the other coach at the Back Home Network. He coached at the high school level and then parlayed that experience and knowledge into creating IU Film Room, which is absolutely the most informative video content that you will find anywhere about IU basketball. What he doesn't have yet, though, is a theme song. We're going to have to get you a theme song, Tony. So that's going to have to come. Well, we Bob Thompson, as he listens to this, Bob, like get some inspiration. We've got to work on Tony's theme song next. Uh, but he is Tony Adranya. Tony, what's on your mind about IU basketball this week? Uh, <clears throat> to preface that, first of all, uh, I want to read a text that Jared sent to Coach and I. Um, I was going to save earlier. this for AC After Dark. This was supposed to be saved for AC After Dark. Was it? Oh, well, then I'll, no, no, I'll leave it. No, no? Okay, <laughs> well, let's tease it. We'll tease it for AC After Dark. The very, yeah. uh, yes, the, the text, <laughs> the off-color text that I should not have sent. <laughs> uh, with that said, uh, in terms of IU basketball, really, uh, you know, what was on my mind was uh, CJ Gunn, you know, his performance this past weekend in the Indiana All-Star game uh, or Indiana Kentucky All-Star game. Uh, just wanted to highlight that for a couple of different reasons. Um, first and foremost, Kentucky uh, my sucks. alma mater, Kentucky sucks. They Their high school <laughs> basketball really sucks. <laughs> their college program, pretty good, but. 
uh, high school basketball there. I think, so I think Indiana's won what 24 of the last 25 or something ridiculous like that. Um, but my alma mater where I played and coached, uh, Southport hosted that. And that's a really cool thing. Uh, unfortunately I wasn't able to make it, uh, to the games, but, um, I just thought that was neat for my, uh, my old high school to, to host an event of that magnitude. Obviously they, they host a lot of big events. Um, you know, I think about all of the players from Greg Oden, Eric Gordon, Tony Adrania, Mike Conley that played on that court. <laughs> um, it's, I like how you humbly incredible. threw yourself in there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, so, you know, just kind of to speak on CJ Gunn, though, I, you know, I watched some, some highlights and, you know, like coach said, like CJ Gunn, Caleb Banks, those are two guys that are kind of flying under the radar, but those are really, really talented players. And, and as coach said, I'm excited to talk some rosters and, and uh, you know, some lineups here a little bit later. All righty. Good stuff. Um, so here's what we have in store. We're going to go through some Hoosier headlines because we do have uh, some stuff to cover. Obviously, an unfortunate injury uh, being chief among them. And then we're going to have our Coach's Corner segment. we got a bunch of good questions from our community. Um, and I have a question for you guys, too. And so we will uh, dive into those in that second segment. And then in segment three, we'll answer a few additional questions from our community members. And maybe we'll have to do a little AC After Dark today as well. All of that coming this week on Assembly Call Radio. But first, let's talk about our presenting sponsor. Home field apparel, for team. Friends, of course, this edition of Assembly Call Radio, just like all shows on the Back Home Network, presented by our friends at Home Field Apparel, where they have the largest collection of vintage IU apparel that you're going to find anywhere with beloved logos, like two different versions of the bison. And as you know, if you've been to their website, Homefield doesn't just have something for IU fans. They've got something for fans and grads of other schools. And I mean, darn near every school as they just keep rolling them out. I think TCU, I saw they're getting ready to launch. Coach, what was your most recent uh, Homefield apparel purchase? Oh, I got... Uh... An Arizona State t-shirt and a Clemson t-shirt. Every Saturday, there's something new. So I just buy every week, I guess. There is. And that's what you should do. But if you haven't ever purchased from Homefield Apparel, if you're one of the few, you can take advantage of a first-time purchaser discount. Go to homefieldapparel.com, use our promo code HOME, and you will get 15% off your entire first order. That's promo code HOME. For 15% off and remember that no matter what you buy it's going to be comfortable the colors are going to last through many washings and you're supporting an indiana-based company that came up through kelly and you know what as they've gotten bigger and bigger and bigger and expanded beyond the just the iu market they continue to support shows like ours because we've been with them from the beginning and that kind of loyalty uh and you know support means a ton to us uh, and it's why we love to recommend them and, and we hope you'll go there and get your gear once again the website homefieldapparel.com wear one for the team all right guys well let's do some who's your headlines and let's get the unfortunate one out of the way right off the bat trey galloway uh, is going to have groin surgery and he's going to be out probably 10 to 12 weeks uh, apparently had like some expert from germany or went to germany or something germany was involved uh in his uh surgery which i don't know 
like you hear that now, like with pro athletes, they seem to, you know, go to German doctors or go to Germany for these special procedures gives you some confidence. Um, you know, but it sounds like this was the injury that was bothering him at the end of last season. He gave it some time in the off season, hoping it would heal on its own. It didn't. So he's having the surgery now so that it doesn't impact, you know, once practice begins. Now, obviously he's going to have to miss some workouts, won't be able to go through a full off season program, uh, you know, and do all of the things that he would otherwise be able to do. But it sounds like coach, you know, making the best of a bad situation. It wasn't getting better. It, you know, and, and if you'll recall, think back to those last few postgame shows at the end of the season, like something seemed off about Trey. You know, he was kind of a step slow defensively, seemed to be out of position more often than not, wasn't quite as explosive offensively. Uh, and so teams were really sagging off of him. Um, and, you know, we weren't quite sure why. Well, I think this probably explains why, which is that he was in a little bit more pain, you know, maybe than than we thought. So your thoughts on the surgery and, and you know, and, and, and obviously, you know, our first concern is just him and, you know, the difficulty he's going to have to go through that stinks and it stinks to you know have to do that during, you know, during your summer. From a basketball perspective, this was going to be a big offseason for him. You know, he's becoming an upperclassman now. Uh, he's shown that he can impact winning in a lot of different ways, but to truly be that, you know, consist, you know, maybe jump up from a 15 minute guy to a 25 minute guy and, you know, really be a, a consistent contributor, it's developing the shot. And this was going to be a big off season for him to do that. So what is going to be lost? Do you think for Trey, you know, not being able to go through a full off season program? Well, I think the, the main concern is as coach puts in his new offense and uh, ideas from, adding to what he had last year and they start to to work on the things that needed to be improved as a team he's going to miss out on that because it sounds like live play and cutting and moving is going to be hindered for some time but I thought I saw an article somewhere where they said he could start shooting in a couple of weeks and a lot of that might be stationary and form shooting which is probably uh what he needs to get that muscle memory uh, up to a 30 32 percent three-point shooter and you can always do some conditioning and some ball handling sitting in a chair and everything so they're going to have a program for him to work on his his skills as much as he can without re-injuring um his groins but you're not going to play five on five it's an opportunity for the coaching staff to see what pieces fit and who can play with what uh during scrimmage play that's going to set him back but if he comes back mid-september early october he will be ready to play. Uh, it might limit uh, those extended minutes you talked about. Uh, he might not have improved on that, but I still think he's a guy that when it comes November, early November, and, and the ball's tipped, you'll see him play if everything goes well with the surgery and, the, and his rehabilitation. I'm curious about this conditioning you mentioned that can be done sitting down. <laughs> well, they'll, they'll put him on a bike. They'll put him in the tub. Uh, you know, there's stuff that's way beyond my – understanding of where he can work on whatever conditioning he can. He's not just going to sit in a chair for three months is yeah. my point. Yeah. Um, okay. the, the staff and the training staff there is, um, you know, but you can do ball handling. That's probably what I meant and misspoke there too, but you can do some ball handling drills. You can stay as sharp as you can. Uh, obviously a full summer is, is important. Uh, work, getting your workouts in individual workouts and your team workouts is a lot better but they're not going to let him just sit in a chair and do nothing for three months. I don't think it's that kind of injury where he's out for three months and then October he's going to start from scratch. I think he's going to be able to do some things uh, throughout the summer to maintain a base level uh, of basketball conditioning and skill. Tony, your thoughts on what this means for 
Trey's development. Yeah, my my first thing I I wonder about is uh, you know had he kind of been just resting this um, you know the last three months three four months to where he really hasn't been able to work on his game too terribly much since the season ended. You know that's a that's a valuable time frame there too. And then you know is he missing three more months? Um, you know, and as coach said, there's things that he can do certainly to try and stay as sharp as he possibly can, but. Um, you know, a big part of him developing a shot is not only going to be getting reps, but having confidence. And I just feel like when you don't have that full, um, you know, body movement and full control of everything, it's going to be really hard to kind of get mechanically right. Um, and then have confidence in those mechanics when like, you know, you're, you're not able to put it, the pressure or, you know, I don't, I don't know the extent of what you can and can't do with the groin injury. Um, 100%. So I might be speaking a little bit out of line here, but, um, you know, the confidence aspect is where I wonder if, if Trey can kind of take that leap having to miss this valuable time. And then, like I said, also wondering, you know, has he been off these past three months as well? Cause that's been valuable time for him to develop too. Or has this just been something that's lingering and he plays a few days, sits out a few and they finally like, let's just do surgery. So I'd be curious to, to hear that as well. Tony, you bring up a really good point too, because the best in the business at pros and college work on their game every single day um, and, and with live workouts. So, you know, they're going to do what they can to keep a base level of skill and conditioning up. But it is a it is a setback um, that especially for some young man that we wanted to shoot the ball better, um, you know, there, there's a lot of. You know, college guys are working out seven days a week, probably in some ways, whether it's with the the school or on their own. So that is going to be uh, tough to overcome. But but Trey, it, the thing that he does well are sometimes, you know, he'll he'll find a niche. Uh, the key thing is he will not be missing games, even with a somewhat of a lost summer. Yeah, groins are tricky too. Like they're you know, it's like a back injury where it's like you know, you obviously we hope for the best, but you know, you just hope that there's no more tweaking and everything just goes perfectly from here. Cause obviously I don't think surgery was option number one, but things have just kind of lingered. Um, so that, that part of it is a little bit scary as well. Yes. Well, we wish Trey the best, uh, and a quick recovery and, you know, hopefully he can make a, you know, make the most of the time that he's got and be ready. I mean, I, I think even with all the new pieces that Indiana has and the questions about shooting, I mean, look, this guy has been a big part of the team for two straight years, even with, you know, seemingly things stacked against him getting playing time. He always seems to play because he's a guy that coaches love and he plays good defense, you know, and we talk a lot about, you know, this team struggling with shooting. Well, the other thing that they don't have a lot of is proven wing defense, you know, guys who can really guard athletic wings. And, you know, not all matchups are great for Trey, but he showed last year, think back to the, the Purdue game against Jaden Ivey. You know, he's a big part of what this team does defensively. Um, and so, you know, so he's going to be a big part of that uh, whenever he gets back. Um, all right, let's move on, guys. A couple other headlines. We talked about um, the APR scores, which is great. You know, hat tip to the men's team, to the women's team, uh, you know, both of which, you know, had the, you know, the perfect scores this year, which is great to see. Um, so, guys, we have some breaking news. That's right. I'm going to break news right here. I've been multitasking here, not just hosting this show, but also helping to produce an event that is going on this weekend. It is called Brunch for a Cause. Uh, it is going to support Hoosier Ticket Project. 
our back home network compadre Galen Clavio is going to be there hosting it. Uh, it's going to be from 10 to 2. I believe it's Saturday. Let's confirm this. Uh, but I believe it's Saturday, right? Yes, Saturday yes. the 18th. Uh, and Galen hinted at potential special guests. Um, but ladies and gentlemen, we have confirmed one of those special guests, and it is Anthony Leal. So Anthony Leal will be there. Uh, and we are working on some other potential guests as well. I'm not going to promise anybody, uh, but Anthony has confirmed that he will be there. The event's going to be from 10 to 2. I think Galen's planning on doing those interviews between uh, noon and 1. Uh, and so it's going to be a great event. You know, we really support the work that the guys at Hoosier Ticket Project are doing. We love the guys at StreamYard. Uh, and obviously, we love Galen. Uh, so we, we like the guys at StreamYard Switchyard. and SwitchYard. Sorry, SwitchYard, yes. <laughs> StreamYard's great. Yeah, StreamYard is awesome. SwitchYard, also great. Uh, so, yeah, so check them out. It's Who's Your Ticket um, uh, Brunch for a Cause. I believe 15% of all the proceeds, when you go there, have brunch, have drinks, whatever you're going to do, uh, is going to go to support Who's Your Ticket Project. So, and look, anytime you can spend at Switchyard uh, is cool. So we'll see if we can get some other player guests. Uh, we certainly uh, will try to do that between now and then, but Anthony will be there uh, and he's always very interesting to talk to. And one other big note uh, this week, guys, that uh, was announced that the Hoosier fantasy basketball experience uh, is going to be going on, uh, being put on by the Hoosier hysterics, the Mark Cuban foundation, um, and so there's going to be the fan fest that they had last year, uh, the fantasy camp experience that happened two or three years ago. Uh, they're bringing that back. There's going to be a fantasy golf experience. There's going to be a women's youth camp. It's all happening August 18th through the 21st. All of the details are at HoosierFantasyExperience.com. And so you can go there. You can see all of these events. Um, each event, you know, it's a, they're all, they're all paid events and, you know, portions of the proceeds are going to go to support, uh, you know, NIL activities, um, you know, through what the Hoosier Hysterics have set up with their collective. Um, if you go to the website, I know some people were asking this, the prices aren't directly on the website for some of the events. You have to click through to the checkout to see the prices. Um, so just make sure uh, that you do that. But it's HoosierFantasyExperience.com. You know, and obviously we support, you know, anything uh, that's going to be a, a, you know, a good event bringing together Hoosiers uh, and players uh, and supporting the players from an NIL perspective. Uh, guys, any thoughts on uh, on the Hoosier fantasy experience that was announced today? Uh, it's always good to have opportunities for people to uh, participate um, and and whether they they can pay for it, not pay for it, want to pay for it, not pay for it or whatever, uh, you know, kudos out uh to you know uh the hysterics and everyone doing putting this together and then also to uh galen for this weekend and switchyard and who's your ticket project Th those there's just a lot to be proud of uh, guys of, about um indiana athletics and 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 what we're trying to do to to boost athletics through some of this nil uh a couple of the nil situations uh, what we do covering it. And then the, the Hoosier ticket project is just fantastic, giving people opportunities uh, to go. So there's a lot of these things that really promote uh, what we know and love as Indiana athletics and specifically Indiana basketball. Tony, if you were going to do the fantasy camp, would you go as a player or as a coach? I'd want to go as a player. Mm -hmm. um, but it's a good question, though. I could, I could, ha I don't know. Like as a coach, though, like what are you really gonna do? Like, are you gonna, are you drawing up plays? Are you, or, I don't know. But uh, yeah, I think I'd want to go as a player, playing on assembly halls, floors, 
pretty is, sweet. Uh, second to none. Pretty sweet. So yeah, so check that out. HoosierFantasyExperience.com. Uh, and hey, if there's a lot of assembly call or back home network people going, um, I don't think I'm going to be able to go. I don't think the timing is going to work out. But you know, let's get a big picture. Let's get together uh, and organize something. Um, yeah. Okay. So let's uh, let's do that. HoosierFantasyExperience.com. And coming up here on Assembly Call Radio, let's hit our Coach's Corner segment. I've got a question for you two to kick this off about expectations and how coaches can handle that with players uh, and also a bunch of questions from our community. So that's coming. Stick with us. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, y'all. Good to see everybody here. Great to have you. Coach, how are you? Oh, I'm doing great. You know, it's great being a teacher. One of the perks is, you you know, you just have the the days off. Uh, got to do a little exercise in the morning. So I got a trip to a, a, a center that tracks me nowadays and on the treadmill and stuff like that. Then I come home, do a little work, work around the house. We're doing some landscaping and having some people do the landscaping. I just tell them what to do, but Mm. life's pretty good here in the summer. Other than the brutal heat that's happening here this week. Yeah. Yeah. The heat has been brutal everywhere. I think everywhere. And Tony, it looks like your, uh, your little guy is developing quite the jumper. You've got him. Uh, <laughs> yeah, got he's, him he's his own fantasy camp uh, here. Uh, but yeah, he's. It's funny because I've I've always said like after coaching and dealing with parents and things, uh, I've always said like my kids are playing no team sports. Like <laughs> they're gonna go, they're gonna golf, they're gonna play the trumpet. Like I don't care. Just and then of course my kid loves basketball and I love that he loves basketball. So. All right, so sure okay, I'll but how, so how do you that. think you'll be? Because you've now had the experience of being on the coach side. Do you think that you'll be very laid back and be like, "Hey, listen to your coach," or is it going to be really hard for you to do that if he doesn't have a very good coach and you're like, "This is not right. My son's not being coached well." Like, how are you going to handle that? Yeah, I think I'll be pretty laid back. Um, I, you know, anybody that volunteers their time, like I'm, I'm all in on supporting that. Like, I mean, at least at a young age. Like, you know, if it's like his high school coach, I would love to be part of the, his staff probably at some point uh, when when he does play. So, you know, I'm loyal when I'm on staff, too. So I think I'll be pretty laid back. Um, talk to me in like five years when I'm 
on some viral video <laughs> or something. <laughs> oh man, that's funny. Find it. Find a spot up atop. That that's my up atop, away from everyone else's parents, and, and and so you don't react there. And then any you know barking out to to your son is not heard by him. And and then uh, if there is a legitimate complaint about a coach, it's always in the back room with your spouse, not in front of the kid. Let the kid figure it out. But exactly. um, it, you know it, it's uh, it, it's just as fun as anything else that you're doing as a parent. And realize that the experience is is what uh, matters. You guys, you guys will figure that out. You're 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 good dudes. But I think where parents make a lot of mistakes is they live vicariously through the success of of their. Yeah. You know, I had two two different kinds of kids. I had a 1,300 point score, and then I had a kid who was a seventh eighth man as a senior and played JV for three years, and was a great teammate. So I had I had two different types of kids, and they all were wonderful. Um, you know, they played a role on their high school teams and the coaches appreciated them. And, but it, and it's hard. I'm telling you, it's hard for competitors like us to, to not uh, feel that way, but uh, you guys will be fine. I, I've watched you guys from afar parent. You guys are top quality people, but it's fun. It's, and I miss it. Um. Okay. Sorry. I was DMing Anthony and we were talking about other players who could potentially come. Um, Joel says, parent, news. parent, well, we don't, no news to break yet. Uh, but we will, if we can, Joel says, parents are the worst <laughs> spoken like a true umpire slash referee. Uh, all right, let's hop into this. Cause I think this coach's corner segment could be kind of meaty. Um, so let's do this. You guys ready? Let's do it. Yep. All right, here we go. <clears throat> This is Lily King. I hope you enjoy the show, but ask yourself, do we really need this much basketball talk for a swimming and diving school? Where do you think the candy stripes came from anyway? Go Hoosiers. Lily's got a point. Every time every time we use that one, I'm like, she's got a good point. Uh, but alas, here we are on the assembly call talking IU basketball. I'm Jared Morris here with the coach Brian Tonsoni and the coach Tony Adranya. And when we have this group assembled, you know that our main segment is going to be Coach's Corner, and we're going to let these two guys do what they do best, which is be coaches and analyze the X's and O's and the lineups and the locker room stuff uh, and answer your questions. Um, but I want to kick one – I want to kick it off with a question, guys, um, because I feel like you know there's an interesting question here for the coaching staff and how they handle kind of the mentality and the expectations that are being built. Because Mike Woodson came in last year for a program that – you know, hadn't had a winning record in the Big Ten since 2016, hadn't made the NCAA tournament since 2016, and he spent a lot of time trying to build up confidence, you know, trying to make a guy like Rob Finnessy believe that he could do what he did against Purdue, you know, and make Tra Trace Jackson Davis believe that he's, you know, the superstar that he can be and make Xavier Johnson believe that he can be the point guard that we saw at the end of the year. It was a lot of building guys up and trying to build confidence. And look, the season wasn't a smashing success. It was a success. You know, obviously it was very up and down and then it ended well. Um, and, I, you know, I think we all at the end of the day decided that, okay, you know, they, you know, certainly they made it back to the NCAA tournament and won a game and had a nice run in the Big Ten tournament. Um, and so this was a good season. But, you know, now we're 
entering this season, in part because of the fact that Indiana has everybody back and has a lot of good players, but also because the Big Ten seems like it's going to be in a down cycle. Now where it's this weird confluence where now this Indiana team that still hasn't had a winning record in Big Ten play since 2016 is now being talked about as the favorite in the conference, you know, in a top 12, 13 team. And I firmly believe that's true. When you just look around and look at the rosters, like it's going to be really hard for you to find that many rosters that are better than Indiana's. And yet, you know, you do worry about guys reading the press clippings and kind of believing they've arrived or done things before they've ever done something. And so my question to you, and Tony, we'll start with you and then we'll go to Coach Tonsoni, is how would you approach that? You know, does Coach Woodson still need to be in confidence building mode for a program that is still trying to build its way up? Or is there going to have to be some balance because now guys are hearing all this stuff. You know, they've had a little success, but not a ton, but they're being talked about like a program that has done a lot more than it's actually done over the last five years. And I know some of it is going to be, hey, you got to really know the individual guys, and so let's leave some space for that. But generally speaking, how do you think a coach handles this kind of weird confluence of expectations that Indiana is finding itself with this offseason? Yeah, I think a lot of it goes back to last April and the groundwork that uh, Coach Woodson has laid in terms of building a culture at Indiana. Um, You know, when when these type of things arise, you know, uh, they always say a a coach-led program is good, a player-led program is great. Um, And I think that IU has the right type of leadership in place to where Woody can still be Woody and he can build guys – confidence up he can talk trash with guys and and he could be himself and he can almost rely on um you know his leaders to to hold everybody else accountable and say look we can be top team in the big 10 if we work our tails off or if we do this day in day out so you know there might be times where where you got to knock guys down a peg or two um or talk about reading your press clippings but um at the end of the day um you know, it, it's an exciting time to be part of the program, and I don't think that you need to to stifle that by any means, and, and you know, uh, not have the guys have confidence or tell them that, look, you were the ninth best team last year in the Big Ten. How could you think you're the favorite or anything like that? Like, I truly do think it's an exciting time to be, and you you need to just kind of go all in on that and keep the buzz going because it helps in, in so many different ways. Um, you know, and then when the season comes around, like you're you're gonna be you are who you are and you're going to, you're going to critique, uh, you know, where you're not doing things well and you're going to praise where things are going well. So to me, I don't want to say it's a non-issue, but I think IU has the right leadership structure in place to where I don't think this becomes a problem for them. Nice coach Tonsoni, your thoughts. Yeah. I I think to me, it's about the process. And I think, you know, I I've said over and over, I think one of, uh, Coach Woodson's strength is his ability to communicate. Uh, And and so he's going to pick the right way to communicate for him and his team. And and there's probably a different path that you can go. You can address it head on and and talk about it and have it be out there. So it's not that hidden, you know, cloud or, or, or whatever hiding behind people and letting the kids try to figure it out on yourself. Or you just simply keep pushing the confidence and and the process. We want to be one of the best teams in the Big Ten. I'm sure he talked about that when he took over in April, as Tony said. He's talked about it in December. He's talking about it all the time. This is where we want to be. We have to get better at these certain things. um, And where confidence is needed, he's going to use that. Uh, 
uh, to do that. You see examples of that all the time. There's a great clip of Steve Kerr talking to uh, Curry, I think, one time when Curry was missing some threes and talking clip. about um, – I don't have the exact quote, but he was just talking about this is who you are, this is what you do. So at that level, they even talk about uh, about confidence. But I think there's a danger in, in – in believing the clippings and talking about it and, and, and outwardly saying, guys, we gotta, we gotta play this type of game and we gotta win this many games, you know, because we're expected to, but it's built into your culture and it's built into your process. Uh, if you're not trying to be big 10 championship, if you're not trying to get back to the final four, then you're, you shouldn't be uh, playing or coaching at, at Indiana. So, Hey, people, you know, it's out there, but really it's, it's about practicing. It's about doing the fundamentals. It's about improving the shooting. It's about doing those things. If you do those things, then winning will take care of itself. So will the ranking, so will the seeding, so will uh, the opportunities come, come tournament time. And I think coach Woodson is that type of coach where he's going to work on basketball um, and building that confidence. I don't think he is a, a overly hype type of coach where, you know, he's going to try to use that to, to, to get the kids. Cause I think that's false. Sometimes, um, you, you know, you can get that kind of hype and all oh, we're, we're predicted to be number one and, and brag about it. And then, you know, uh, most coaches operate game by game. And I think that's, that's the best way to go. And I believe coach Woodson really is in position to be successful with these high expectations because of, of the way he approaches his program and the way he communicates. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, okay, so let's roll through some of these questions. So Steven wants to know if we're ready to have lineup conversations, guys. He's curious about ideas for the best starting five, closing five, defensive five, shooting five, playmaking five, all without having seen any of these guys play together with the new guys. So an easy question here from Steven to speculate on. Um, but let's roll. I mean, your best thoughts right now based on what you've seen and know from these guys starting five. Okay, well, it's it's obviously race, trace, and X, um, you know. And then I, I do think Miller Cop is going to get the first look, uh, just because of the way Coach um, ha has approached things with veterans over over newcomers. Uh, I think the other guard position replacing Parker Stewart is going to be interesting to see. Uh, you would think that it would be Tamar off the, off the, you know, and and Trey if he wasn't hurt. So I would say Tamar gets first shot at it. So you think X, Tamar, Miller Cop, Race Thompson, Trace Jackson Davis rolling out game one, assuming X isn't suspended and is ready to go. Yeah, the, the question for me would be where's Hood Shafino fit in there? Is he going to slide into that second guard spot and have two ball handlers? Um, you know, uh, again, I, I think he's talented and going to be a big impact player, but I, I think he's going to be that Rob Finnessy role where you get 18 to 22 minutes. And that'll be good productive minutes. I think he's probably going to be a little bit better than Rob in in some places of playmaking and 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 being able to score. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be as good right away defensively, but he has that potential. So to me, it's between Tamar and, and Hood Shafino. Uh, I personally would bring Cop off the bench just from me sitting in my recliner, which means absolutely nothing, uh, and and being that scorer against the second unit. Uh, and, and I would like to see, you know, Hood Shafino um, and Tamar. That's a little smaller uh, lineup there, but maybe a Geronimo uh, can can fit in there in some ways as well. But I believe 
if I'm predicting what Coach Woodson's doing, he's going to have the four returning starters start game one, and then he's going to pick between Tamar and Hood Shafino based on what happens in the summer. Yeah, it's really it's it's probably going to change. You would think, although I mean, he stuck with the same starting lineup yeah. pretty pretty doggedly last year, so maybe it won't change. Um, and and look, you know, Tony, before you give yours, let's acknowledge there's two massive. I mean, there's the wild card of the freshman, right? Like we don't know. We feel like we have an idea what Hood Shafino and Malik Renault are going to be, but we don't know for sure. And then there's the massive wild cards of Tamar Bates and Jordan Geronimo, because based on what both of those guys have actually done, right? Just based on what they've done, if they don't improve a whole lot and they just do that again, you know, they're solid Big Ten reserves. But I don't think anybody would be shocked if either one of those guys made a jump to all Big Ten third team or honorable mention level. But that, that would not shock me in, in the slightest, right? Now, is it going to happen? I don't know, but they've got the potential. And so that wild card sitting there with those two guys and that potential that they have is interesting because you don't know because they certainly could be starters and yet there's probably reason to wonder if they're going to be those guys right out of the gate. So what is your initial starting five for the, or that you think it'll be? Yeah, for what I think it would be, I, I, I fall very much in line with coach and, and probably the majority of the fan base is, you know, Woody started the, the same five guys most of the time last season. Um, and you've got four of them returning. Um, you know, I think, be hard pressed to expect him to to pull one of those out of the starting lineup. Now, uh, you know, I'll go with Huchifino at that that second guard spot, um, just to switch things up a little bit. But it wouldn't shock me if it was tomorrow as well. Um, but you know, like you said, there's there's so many in, intriguing combinations that um, you know you hope that that things are kind of fluid as they go. I mean, you've got some small ball opportunities. Um, you've got some shooting opportunities. You've got some playmaking opportunities, as we noted, you know, defensive opportunities to kind of close out a game. I know Woody did like that. He kind of liked his closing lineup last season. Um, so that'll be intriguing. But, you know, it, it's hard, it's always hard to say, um, you know, like, you know, we've got a Trey Galloway injury. Um, let's say that lingers a little bit and then, you know, s- somebody gets an opportunity. I think last season, every single scholarship player got an opportunity to kind of showcase who they were and, and what what they could do. And honestly, like those five that were stayed in the starting lineup the most of the time were the five most consistent. So it kind of made sense um, that that lineup kind of stayed the same. So maybe, maybe Woody has a completely different philosophy this season. Um, I'll have to go back and look at his NBA lineups and see if he was pretty, pretty stuck on, um, you know, the same lineup throughout the season. NBA is obviously different because guys are resting all the time and stuff like that. But I don't know if that's something that he's very, very much a stickler on and he wants to have a lineup and go with it. Um, my gut says yes, but um, yeah, it'll be interesting. There's there's so many different combinations. And it's kind of funny because like we said, we're talking about a team that was ninth in the Big Ten last season. And, you know, you're talking about different where different guys might be. And you're like, well, you can't sit this guy down. And, but it's like, you know, he was a reserve on the ninth best team in the Big Ten. So it's just it's kind of funny where our minds go here in the middle of June. Uh, when we're talking about lineups and things. Man, the Hood Shafino question is really interesting because, you know, there's a couple of really compelling reasons to start him. Number one, he's really good, you know, obviously. And number two, I think it sends a good message that, hey, if you're a top flight point guard and you come here, you've got a chance to start, you know, assuming that you earn it. 
But man, I really, you know, with a guy like X who can get into early foul trouble, you know, and sometimes first halves go a little crazy for him. It's nice to have a point guard coming in off the bench who can kind of steady things and be that ball handler on the second unit. And Woody really seemed to like that with the role that Rob Finnessy had. No, I could absolutely, just like we saw last year where he had this closing lineup, you know, where Finnessy was in it a lot of times and he kind of went with defense. I could see Huchofino being a guy that, you know, in the first half, he's the backup point guard, leads the second unit. Maybe he and X get some minutes together as they're, you know, when they kind of overlap the subs. But then if X picks up those two quick fouls, you've kind of got Huchofino there on the bench to come in and then plays a lot more in the second half. I guess if I had to put some money on it, I think that's how it'll go. Like, I think Huchofino will get starter minutes. I don't know if he'll start. And we only have one season's worth of evidence from Woody. And if Huchofino rolls out there and starts the first game, it's going to be like, oh, yeah, this was obvious. This is a five-star point guard. You start that guy. But I just, from what we saw last year and what we know of X, I think Huchofino slots in best as kind of that backup first-half point guard. And then all bets are off, and you just play the best guys in the second half because that's what he seemed to do. Um, and I think Huchofino is going to be one of the five best players on the team overall. So I'm kind of torn on how I, what I would predict, but I think I would side with him not being a starter in terms of being one of the first five guys out there. Like I think it'll be Cop, but I think Kudrafino will play more minutes than Cop. Yeah, that makes and sense. not that the stars mean anything, um, you know, once you're on campus, but um, I, I do think this is an intriguing spot for Woody to have. Um, Hutch Fino and Renault this year. Um, let's say that, you know, they kind of find themselves buried at the end of the bench for whatever reason they're not producing. Um, you know, that'd be three five stars from powerhouse factories uh, that kind of, I don't want to say lost their freshman year. And, and Yeah, I just, I can't see that. I, like, and that's the other thing. I, I, I could see Hutch Fino being the second unit point guard because then you guarantee minutes with he and Renault together in the first half. And maybe that's a good comfort zone for Renault too, you know? And so that helps him come along. I don't see any way that those two guys don't play significant minutes, you know, for a lot of reasons, you know, namely, I, I feel like they're ready kind of physically and, and we'll have to see mentally and emotionally if they're ready, but they seem more ready physically than like Tamar was like, he struggled with some of the, um, you know, kind of the size and strength aspects of it. But yeah, if that happens he, again, that would definitely be a concern. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing with Tamar, too, is, I mean, he had, what, like a 13-point game right in the Big Ten right before, um, you know, he had to take a leave and, and different things I mean, happened. We probably him, lose so. to Nebraska if he doesn't go yeah. nuts in that first half, you know? So, yeah. And, okay, so let's talk. Let's, let's go through the other ones quickly. So we kind of talked starting five. Give me what you think could be the potential closing five. Like, ultimately, what do you think is going to be this team's best – lineup coach we don't need to break it all down but just give me the names yeah i think you know uh hood Shafino, uh and x are going to be out there in a closing situation for ball handling uh and both can put some pressure defensively i, I think you have a chance to see either at the three a trey galloway or geronimo um at, at that three for athletic purpose rebounding purposes uh with, with geronimo and then obviously i i don't think you move race and trace off in in any lineup unless they're in foul trouble or or, or whatever so i i think you know the 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 this question just keeps going back to shooting, Where's you know, the and this, shooting? Is where I, <laughs> this is where i think 
you know, a gun and a Caleb Banks has a chance if you're looking at best overall lineup is put two point guards out there with a guy who can shoot, but also who can drive. Uh, you know, Miller Cop's going to benefit from having better guards, um, but Miller struggles driving the basketball. And I think ultimately Indiana will be better when they have guys who can shoot the three and drive uh, at the same time. You got to recruit them. You got to bring them in. You got to develop them. But when you're, you have that, you know, if you're going to close out short, you're going to hit a three. If you go on a flyby, the guy's going to drive and either commit, uh, help someone else get a shot or dunk at the rim. That those those are hard kind of teams to you know prepare for because players can do multiple things, um, and that's where CJ Gunn and Caleb Banks I think find some playing time um, if they can shoot and put it on the deck a little bit. Question for those guys: Can they guard? So. For me, if you're going to look at a closing team that has some offense plus some defense, I, I think it's those two point guards, the two bigs, and then, man, roll roll the dice, throw a dart, whatever, and find your best combination of defensive guy who can also score some. I, I would probably lean towards Geronimo if he can guard that three. We have breaking news. Again? We have a couple more people confirmed. For the Saturday brunch, Jordan Geronimo and Miller Cobb are in with Anthony Leal. So if you want to see Galen Clavio, talk to Anthony Leal and Jordan Geronimo and Miller Cobb uh, on Saturday. Go to Switchyard. They will be there doing a little meet and greet as well. Uh, so that is all to support Hoosier Ticket Project. So there you go. This is this is some serious multitasking that's happening here. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, you start talking through this stuff. And it really highlights the importance of this offseason for Tamar Bates. Because if he becomes that 36, 37, 38% three-point shooter that can also drive and you kind of can't take out of the lineup, you know, that other guy that you're almost writing in pen, that would really be huge for, you know, for this program. Because that's exactly what they need. And you're going to kind of be mixing and matching and trying to find that until he becomes that. Is he ready to be that as a sophomore? You know, we've he's kind of a prime breakout candidate, right? Like a high four-star guy, struggled a little bit as a freshman. You know, we see those guys break out sometimes as sophomores, um, and that's such an important linchpin for this team. We know this team is going to have a high floor because of the experience, because of the talent. He's one of the key elements to potentially raise the ceiling. Uh, give me your defensive five. What's the best defensive lineup this team's going to roll out there, Tony? I think it kind of coincides with that closing five um, as well. You know, I, I I think it depends on the personnel you're playing. I could actually see race swapped out for Geronimo if, you know, you need somebody that's a little bit more versatile at the four to, to be able to kind of guard inside and outside against, uh, you know, let's say um kid from Michigan State. Uh, name is leaving me. Um, transferred from Marquette with his brother. Hauser, yeah, like a guy like that or something that that is a little bit more versatile, can play inside and out. I could see Geronimo sneaking his way into that lineup at the four, then obviously having Trace there to funnel everything to. I think X, uh, Jalen Hutchfino, and then, you know, it's that three spot. Is that Trey Galloway? Is that Tamar Bates? Um, you know, Tamar Bates' length certainly is intriguing at a spot like that. Um, you know, he the weight room is going to be huge for him this offseason. Um, you know, he's got to put some weight on that frame to be able to kind of bang in the Big Ten a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I would kind of put those as my closing five. And, and, you know, with that Geronimo race, the kind of the caveat of, 
you know, what, what do you need at that moment? Um, but I think the closing five slash defensive five is that for me. All right, coach, here's the question. You're shooting five. So you're down by, you're down by 12, six minutes to go in the second half. You got to make a comeback and you got to score points. What lineup are you throwing out there just for offensive spark? You got to make some threes and get this thing going. What are you doing? All right. Well, <laughs> so you, you're you're going to have uh, X out there running the show. You're going to have race at the five if you need threes. You can't take TJD out, but if you if you just needed people complete sh- three point shooting team, right? Um, you, you could put race at the five, Geronimo at the four, even Caleb Banks at the four, depending on where whether he can guard or not. Uh, so you have two shooters there, Miller Cop at the three. There's another shooter there. And then you have, you know, Leo Gunn and uh, Tamar Bates at the two. That hopefully could be five teams that could, you know, shoot the three. Obviously, you're not going to take TJD out of a lineup late uh, for for that reason. Uh, but those are, I think, are is if you're looking at your best overall three-point shooting team per position uh, without going completely small, um, I think off the top of my head, that's, that's probably where you go. Uh, and I just think there's a lot of options for teams, for players to improve their shooting this year. I know it's a big question mark for Indiana, and I think it will be the, you know, the ultimate reason for Indiana to meet their expectations or to fall below their expectation is who steps up and can be consistent shooters. But I think there's a lot of guys that have that potential, um, you know, to, to step in and get those minutes, uh, depends some of them, the freshmen, it depends on if they're physically ready and can guard the veterans, uh, you know, uh, can they do it consistently? They haven't shown it yet, but, um, that would be where I would go. Yeah. And how quickly the shooting translates. I mean, is Caleb Banks yeah. ready to be a three point shooter as a freshman? Right. You know, and Hood Shafino, you know, does he surprise, is he a mid thirties, three point shooter as a freshman? You know, That's, you know, he didn't have to shoot. Um, and so it's interesting if he does get that starting lineup, uh, like Tony said, uh, is he freed up to shoot? I thought I saw in the Jordan game, brand game or whatever, he, he did take a couple threes and maybe hit one or two. I don't know what his percentage was, but I'm not sure he can't shoot. I just think with at Mount Verde, he was just going to be the guy who, who ran the offense and was a pass first guy. But if he plays that two guard, he might be able to come in and, you know, the drive and kick stuff be able to hit shots. Um, th- that'll be interesting to see. I think that's in his game. Yeah. And for uh, me, the shooting five doesn't necessarily mean like, h- how are they getting those shots? Like I kind of look at that too. Like I, I think an X and a Jalen Hutchifino pairing, even if Jalen Hutchifino is a 30% shooter might still be your best opportunity to create shots for guys x might be our best three-point shooter (laughs) exactly (laughs) i mean Um, you know he may need so that that part of it's intriguing too that's that's why i was actually a fan of the dexter dennis uh saga because of his ability to create for shooters um you know cops not going to create his own shot i think it'll be i think gun's a very very good shooter i think it's gonna be tough for him to create his own shot as a freshman but if you have guys that can create for him i think a guy like gun can find his way on the floor Tony, I like that a lot with multiple point guards. Uh, it's one of the things that we struggled with with Rob, that he was, you know, somewhat hesitant to really get in there or he would get in there and, and be, you know, look to score at the rim. Um, I think Jalen hood Shafino offensively is, is going to be much different. 
but you have multiple drivers. We've talked about it over and over again, multiple drivers of the basketball. You could have a CJ gun an Anthony Leo, a Miller cop. That's a spot up. But I, but I still think that spot up guy needs to be able to bounce it in one step, pull up or, or whatever. Like Tamar has that in his game. Right. Uh, but you're right in creating three point shots, having multiple drivers. And when you have two point guards out there, especially off the break, you can do some things too. It doesn't have to be X bringing the ball up. It's, you know, if, if they can get it to hood Shafino, then X can run out, throw it ahead to him. And now you got side ball screen action. You got a lot of stuff you can do to open up shooters, both in the half court and, and in transition. That's a, that's a really good point. I love how we had our uh, back home network team meeting last night. And we had that good conversation with Galen about, you know, okay, how do we appeal to a, to a younger market, to college kids? And we talked about how our shows just go on and on, these really long conversations. And here we are in the middle of segment two, 55 minutes into the show. So clearly not going after the TikTok crowd with this off-season episode of the Assembly Call. Oh, that, that, that blurb right there, though, we'll cut it. We'll throw it on yeah. TikTok. It'll be there you go. Put some fun music behind it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, oh yeah we gotta do is create some dances yeah coach three point dance yeah yeah tjd (laughs) dunk dance um all right so in the interest of this segment not dragging on forever because we did get some other good questions we will save them and we'll get to them in another uh venue but let's get to jamie's question because it piggybacks on the theme that has run through this entire conversation and i don't want to read the whole question but the gist of it is how did IU get so behind in this once automatic fundamental of IU basketball, which of course is shooting, right? And it's like, it's, it's almost kind of a punchline, although it's, you know, there's, there's pain behind it because we've had to watch so many teams that, you know, that, that haven't been able to shoot and that have really struggled with that. Um, but you know, your guys thoughts, Tony, I'll start with you. Like why has Indiana gotten so far behind that? It just feels like this is such an uphill battle now. Yeah, I think the short answer is uh, probably Archie Miller, and the long answer is Archie Miller struggled to recruit. Was that a short Uh, joke? (laughs) It wasn't, not purposely. (laughs) I can see how it could be perceived as that, though. Um, No, I mean, Archie Miller really, he he missed on the recruiting trail of a lot of guards um, that could shoot. And then, you know, instead of just, I think it's something we've seen Woody and his staff do is they're not going to get overzealous and just start handing out scholarships to guys that maybe can't play at this level. Um, and yeah, I mean, in, in terms of just the guys that, um, you know, in what Archie thought he needed to win at Indiana, uh, you know, first and foremost, he missed on the recruiting trail on some big ones. And then, you know, he just valued some things more than shooting. Um, you know, he wanted to find guys that would fit into that pack line defense and he was going to grind games out and, you know, IU was going to win 58 to 56. And, you know, that's his philosophy. And that's that's perfectly fine. He got Dayton to an elite eight and that. But, you know, when when you have that, you're it's not going to be fixed overnight, um, especially with how IU is approaching the transfer portal, which I like and I appreciate how IU is tr- approaching the transfer portal. Um, but, you know, it, it's it's not going to be a quick fix. And, you know, the the anchor of the team is now going to have been the same for the last four years where you've got two bigs um, that, that, you know, historically at least they may, may see something different this year, but haven't been able to shoot the ball as well. Um, and so, you know, right off the bat, you, you're kind of clogging things up and it's hard to create opportunities there. So I don't know that IU necessarily has a million bad shooters per se, um, but the offense 
isn't necessarily conducive to creating a lot of great um, shots for the best shooters. Now you, you'll you'll hear, you know, we got the most open looks in college basketball last year. That is a very flawed stat <laughs> yeah. because there were certain people that were left open for a reason. Um, and so, uh, but yeah, I mean, so that's that's my thought that process. Is, that on stat it. is ridiculous. It, oh yeah, but you're gonna hear you hear it over and over. <laughs> and and by the way, you know, just to clarify something, because you are right about Archie. But when he made the Elite Eight with Dayton, they shot 37.7% from three. Like, they were 54th in the country. So, like, and that was the frustrating part is his Dayton teams could shoot a little bit. And he just, you know, he went the other way um, at Indiana. You know, Joel makes a decent point in the chat. He says Archie did exactly what he said. He said he would recruit Indiana, and for three years there were no real shooters besides Leal. Um, That's part of it. You know, we've talked with, you know, players like Devontae Green, who clearly didn't, you know, felt like there was a bit of a disconnect there, um, you know, just in terms of building some of that confidence. Now, Devontae was going to shoot anyway, <laughs> you know. Unlimited um, ammo. But, right, but not everybody had that mentality. Um, Coach, we'll give you the final word on this. Why are we here, and, and what do we do to get out of it? It, it comes down to recruiting. Um, the misses on the guards uh, that he wanted, that you know, and I, I don't know the stats of some of those guys that, as they went elsewhere, but Kenyonis um, down at Memphis, I know he was trying and finished in the last two or three, but it just seemed like every guard, national-ranked guard or, or guard that all kinds of schools were going for, liked Indiana, but we finished second or third. Um, and, and, you know, that's, that's ultimately – you know, part of it. Um, so I just think recruiting is the biggest thing. I think his misses for the guards um, were, you know, the biggest reason that we've gone a few years. Cause if you look at, you know, Crean, uh, Crean just went after shooting. He got Blackman and he got, you know, he had guys like Halls and uh, other people uh, and then played a more open style too. So some of the, some of the style that Archie had, might have played into that but you know Archie did a good job of doing what he didn't have shooters so he pounded the ball inside and then it led to those 60 58 games that's where I think Archie's a good coach he just didn't have the the roster and he's ultimately responsible for not having having that roster um he had his hands tied though we just complimented him about the APR he had 16 guys when he took over and couldn't really move and and the right kid from Colorado point guard scorer I don't know what his three-point shooting was, but I know he was a, a possibility to come to Indiana. He couldn't come to Indiana because of the the APR and the roster situation. Um, but you know that that's the name of game. Sometimes we we talk about Woodson's on court, but uh, you know decisions. Really, it's about <laughs> recruiting, and that's where the NIL stuff comes in. You have to have the Jimmies and the Joes. It doesn't matter sometimes, you know what you do. But um, scheme-wise, maybe you can win two or three games scheme-wise and another two or three motivational-wise of confidence and all that. But you're talking, you know, you need guys who can play. Uh, and I think Archie just came up short there, and that's why we are behind. And to be clear, that is the reason why Indiana's had this history of poor shooting. But I think we all agree the problem is now Woodson's. This is his roster. It's his second season. So we're not saying this team's shooting is going to be Archie's issue Woodson's had enough time now this he owns this um, and hopefully we see improvement you know and hopefully we see some of that confidence come through and you know guys like tomorrow that were recruited to be shooters you know come through a little bit more this year um, you know and if they let, do, let me then, say this too there's always talks about shooting and we'll talk about this incessantly uh, throughout season the season long. players got to make shots and, and I know that comes from a coaching standpoint too but 
you know, uh, everyone's like, what are they working on in shooting? Are they working on free throws? Every coach works on shooters. Every coach does individual development. Everyone, if you go into IU and watch those kids shoot, it look it will look remarkable to you if we got in and watched their individual workouts. If you're playing Division One college basketball, you look as a pure shooter as anyone, even the worst shooter. It comes down to in the game time, and, and I know Coach Marlowe and I disagree about this, and I and I agree a little bit. You can give confidence and free flowing. I think Woodson did that last year. But guys were taking threes last year early in the offense, and Race would do a pull-up three on a transition, and they would miss. Guys, knock them down. Uh, and, and if you're not knocking them down, go to Cook Hall for three or four hours until you can knock them down, or we'll get people in who can knock them down. But when, when the ball's tipped, it, it's a player's game. Uh, and you got to have the competence to knock it down. If you're looking over your shoulder and want the coach to pat you on the ass to make a shot, then you shouldn't be playing Big Ten basketball. You should be wanting to hit that shot so you can stick it in someone's eye and talk trash, not popping your collar, but talk a little <laughs> trash on yes. the way back. Shooters are shooters. I love trash talking, coach. You know, if you're two for 10 and you're a shooter, you want the ball for the 11th shot. Um, you know, and, and that's what it takes uh, to, to be a shooter. And in some ways, that's what I liked about X. Like X didn't care. He was going to shoot those games. Mm -hmm. He was two for 18. He still wanted to shoot. I kind of like that and respect that. And that's why yes. his game got better. But, but oh, yeah. shooting, every coach in America is working on shooting and individual development. It just comes down to coach, guys have a, we got to work have, on free throws, not yoga. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> that's the that's the company line. Man, do you have the balls to make shots in big games? That's what it takes. And, and sometimes you got to recruit it. Um, you know, um, if every coach had drills that would make it, the shooting percentage would be 60% because every coach would do the drills. It just comes down to muscle memory and can those guys hit those shots? All right, coach. Thank you. Good You're stuff, welcome. Coach. We like that. I think that was the first JD Campbell appearance on the assembly call ever. <laughs> That's an old drop. Um, all right. Uh, by the way, we love our buddy elbows in. I'm here for the 55 minute segments. So he will not be heading over to TikTok whenever we launch a TikTok channel. He's going to stick right here through the, through the hour long YouTube videos. That's what we do. Um, all right, let's move on here. Uh, coming up on the assembly call, we got some other questions. Won't necessarily be coaches' corner questions, but we've got some other fun questions, including a new one from Twitter that we're going to try. Could be a disaster. We're going to try it anyway. Stick with us. It's coming next. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Valerie says, TikTok? Yeah, Valerie. Now look, 
It's not going to be us running the TikTok. Okay, we had a really good conversation. We were strategizing with Galen because Tony had a good idea. You know that we want to start bringing more students into what we're doing. Maybe get some more students into the community, or at least make the content that we're creating more attractive to students. Kind of nurture that audience, and hopefully they stick with us once they leave IU. And Galen, who knows more about social media and the habits of students than anybody was very blunt with all of us that our content does not appeal to students because it's too long and it you know appeals to people like us. Um, and so we were kind of strategizing what we're going to do social media wise, which means that at some point we're probably going to hire somebody uh, you know from the media school and say, here, make us cool. <laughs> it's gonna Maybe be not tough. make us cool. <laughs> not make us cool, but you know, make us short and punchy and and good for Instagram and TikTok because we would be a disaster if we tried to do that. So we'll have someone else do it and we'll see if it works. And you don't even need to know it's happening, Valerie, or you can go over there and laugh and enjoy it as well. Uh, but we'll see. I don't know if it'll happen this year. Maybe it'll happen next year. But you know, we want to try and branch out and appeal by the way coach i'm looking at this question we're going to do from twitter <laughs> and the answers that amy gave for you <laughs> this is this is great um this is going to be a funny second she sent me some more i don't even know who they are she just sent me these pictures she's upstairs trying to hone in on the show man jay just ghosted me i texted him at like 1 for a mediocre question and got nothing Thanks, Jay. Andy is Ian Hawk. Wait, who said that? Amy. She keeps texting me all these oh, names. Is. All right. Well, let's get to it. No more teasing. Let's get to right. it. And then once we're done with these questions, Tony can read the very awkward text message that I sent to everybody five minutes before we went on the air. All right. Here we go. <laughs> Ethan Happ, and I never listened to the assembly call, especially the episodes that Ryan is on. Thank you, Ethan. Always appreciate your kind words about the show. Uh, you are listening to the assembly call. I'm Jared Morris here with the coaches, Brian Tonsoni, Tony Adranya, and uh, it's time for our third segment where we answer your questions. This is our mailbag segment. Uh, we got a lot of these questions from our private IU basketball discussion community, which you can learn more about at assemblycall.com slash community. And we typically start out with a mediocre question, but we don't have one. Jay didn't send one in. Uh, so it's Jay Horry on Twitter. Make sure that you let him know that you're very disappointed <laughs> that he did not send in a mediocre question. But we do have something even better. It's the dumb, 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 dumb question of the week. Yes, the dumb question of the week. I don't know what this says about our show, that this has somehow become a meme and like a regular thing that people are submitting, but it's now official enough. Tony, the dumb question of the week got a song before you did. So <laughs> tells you where I'm at. <laughs> we gotta we gotta figure out we gotta figure out the priorities here. Um, but yes, the dumb question of the week. Uh, so coach, I was listening to last week's show and I feel like you kind of didn't get the segment, which is that the questions are supposed to be tongue in cheek because I think, uh, 
Bob sent in the question of like, hey, was Calvert Cheney good because, you know, he was surrounded by like bad players and bad coaching or whatever it is. You kind of gave like a really serious answer to it. So just to be clear, because Bob submitted that question, he was not being serious with that question, um, which is why it was the dumb question of the week. But his question this week is, can Galloway's injury be a net positive if it gives Bates, Geronimo and Banks or others more reps in the offseason? And they're like, you know, it is a dumb question. So congrats, Bob. But there is like, I guess, a little twinge of something interesting here where you have a guy like Galloway who's been around for a couple years. Is there any positive to these other guys getting some of these minutes and getting some of these some of this development? I don't think so, because I think Galloway is such an important part of the future. It's not like, you know, he's some fifth year, you know, senior that is fully developed. Like he's a guy that needs the development. Um, so is there yeah. any validity whatsoever to Bob's dumb no, hypothesis? Because everyone's getting development at the same time, whether one player's injured or not. It's just Trey's losing his. Like, yeah. Trey's loss doesn't open up more time on the court for, for somebody else. In the game of basketball, if someone's injured early, if Trey can't go at the beginning of the season, someone's got to step up and fill his minutes. Those reps can be beneficial, but not in the summer. Agreed. Tony. Was that too serious for the dumb question, though? No, no, no. That was good. I, I posed it in a in a way that demanded an answer like that. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I, and I, you only the coaches only get like what like ten hours all summer or something with the guys to like actually do team stuff where like that could possibly benefit somebody stepping in in Geronimo's place. So yeah, I'm I'm with coach. I don't I don't think there's a net positive you can get out of that. Um, oh, we've got breaking news here. It's the dumb, 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 dumb question of the week. We have a second dumb question. This one from Valerie. Uh, she says, truly stupid question of the week. So this actually takes it to another level. Instead of being dumb, this is truly stupid. We offered a scholarship to Boogie Fland. Does anyone else secretly want him to commit so the pet band can play Boogie Wonderland by Earth, Wind, and Fire? Uh, I would say let's submit that request maybe to Jeremy Gore, uh, Gray on Twitter. He would be a good person to submit that request. But let's have Boogie Flynn commit because he's a good player. That's what I would say. We don't need players to commit just so that we can play songs. Valerie, come on. But it's a value <laughs> add. It is a value <laughs> add. It would be a nice bonus. There's no question about it. Um, okay, so now we're going to try something else, which is we typically take our questions from the community, um, and we want to continue to do that because we value our community members, and we trust them to submit good questions, and they very rarely let us down. But we do have a big audience on Twitter. And so we want to open up one question a week to the folks on Twitter, but we're going to have some fun with it. And we're going to call it the random and ridiculous Twitter question of the week. It can be about basketball. It can be about something else. Uh, we got a bunch of these. If this has but a song, I'm going to be pissed. Well, <laughs> Bob, this is up to you. So what gets this is this is only the first week. So this could be a disaster. We don't even know if we're going to do this again. So, yes, if this gets a song over Tony, then I would, I would definitely take that personally. But the question that we chose for this week is from Wes Pratt 95. He says, when the assembly call movie gets made, uh, maybe written by Angelo Pizzo, perhaps, should be pretty awesome. Uh, what actors will be starring as Jared, Ryan, Andy, and Coach? Brad Pitt and Ryan Reynolds have prior commitments and will be unavailable. So first of all, we would like to thank Wes for assuming that Brad Pitt or Ryan Reynolds would be in the running uh, to play us. We do appreciate that. So I had no idea how to answer this, but Coach Tonsoni went to the authority, his wife, Amy, to get some answers. And so, Coach, I will let you present Amy's answers for who will play us in the Assembly Call movie written by Angelo Pizzo. 
Well, Sorry, Angelo, I, I, I'm just drafting you for this. Yeah, I just uh, I I was kind of stuck, um, and so I, I don't know that Amy had Tony's there that we have listed there, but but um, she did say that you would be uh, played by John Kaczynski, um, which I she said you would absolutely love. Jim from um, the Office, I'll take that. Yeah, um, so that'd be good. Uh, Andy as um, Rick Moranis. Um, <laughs> From, from honey, honey, I shrunk I, the bracket. Yeah, honey, I sh- shrunk the number of teams on the bubble. Uh, um, honey, I shrunk and the then bubble. doesn't he work for the indie star now? He might. Who, yeah, Andy or Rick Moranis. Um, oh, Rick we Moranis. have uh, Matt Glenesky. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I don't even know how to pronounce. Is it Ralph Machi- Machio? Ralph Machio. Machio for Tony from Karate Kid. And then uh, the. The great Mrs. Tonsoni said that uh, Shaquille O'Neal um, would would play play me, and then uh, also Kazam. maybe <laughs> Jay Glazier uh, from Fox NFL Sunday. So I love the wild think, divergence there. Either Shaq yeah. or Jay Glazier. <laughs> Jay Glazier, she said, is a little too small, too short. So she liked Shaq for for the height. Um, you know, she did say there was a, you know, a racial difference there, but, uh, that I kind of, we kind of look alike and kind of act alike a little bit. So she, yeah, she votes for Shaq. And then we didn't have one for Ryan. Um, yeah, who we were looking for someone who would interrupt the show or something. Yes. So to those of you in our target demographic of 35 to 59 who listen to, hour-long shows and are continuing to listen to this, send us a tweet with who you think would play Ryan in the movie. I'm thinking Steve Alford. That's my first thought. Brad Davison, maybe. Bieber. Ooh, hey, Justin Beard with a good one. Dean Norris as coach. That's probably the best one. Dean Norris would be awesome as coach. Dean Norris, of course, from uh, oh my God, what was his character's name in Breaking Bad? Why am I forgetting? One of the great. I mean, he was such a great character in that show. Dean Norris, that's good. Um, okay, let's uh, let's move on here. Okay, so there's one other question that I wanted to hit here. One, one, I guess, more serious question before we move on to a little AC After Dark. This is from Rick. He says, I'm still expecting some punishment for X, perhaps two to three games at the beginning of the year. I just don't think Woody is the type of coach that lets that slide without consequences. Your thoughts? Um, he <laughs> Tony says Ryan is Michael Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> Adam Sandler plays Ryan. I could see Adam Sandler. Uh, Michael Sarah. Um, so here, I've been thinking about this, you know, with X. And look, I think still some things need to be adjudicated with his case and some of that stuff needs to play out. You know, I really wonder coach if so much time will have elapsed between the transgression and the start of the season, if they'll deal with this in house and just by that point, you know, feel like, Hey, we'll have done stuff. We don't need to suspend him for actual games. And I'm sure if they don't, someone will bring it up, but will have been so long ago. I feel like that's a story that will have legs for 12 hours and no one will talk about it again. So I'm really, as I've been thinking a lot about this, I think if I had to bet, I'm starting to think X isn't going to miss games. Unless, you know, something comes out more from the case that we don't know. So I'm going to leave space for that. 
but I just wonder, there's so much time to deal with it in the house, issue some, you know, some punishments, some running and whatever it might be. And I just wonder if it's really going to serve any purpose by that point with it being so far removed from the actual thing that happened. And I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm wrong on this, but what do you think? I'm just starting to think that the farther it gets yeah, from it, I, I'm starting to wonder I'll, if the suspension makes sense. Yeah. I'll try to answer this quickly two ways. One, he, he set the tone with the Northwestern stuff that, you know, he's going to um, be a disciplinarian and do what's right for the program. So that would lead one to think that, yes, that was an embarrassing mark, a bad decision needs to do better um, and maybe sit out um at the beginning, you bring up a really good point that there are also different types of discipline within a basketball program or a sports program. And what, you know, I think we as fans have to do is whatever the path coach Woodson takes, it's coach Woodson's team. Um, what, what you don't want to, you know, do. And I think the signal he sent, which really helped down the, down the road, I know we almost missed the tournament and that game would have been big, but it really set the tone that, you know, he's in charge of this program and some of the offseason things that he's done. He's really taking command of this program. Um, but you can do that different ways. If he's running stairs, getting up at five in the morning, doing whatever, and that stuff may never be public. And that's OK. That's OK. Um, coaches need the flexibility to handle every situation. I think in this day and age of social social media, everyone thinks it needs to be present and seen in public. Um, and, and that would be the games. So whatever happens, whether he does get suspended or not, I'm totally on board because I trust coach Woodson to do, um, what's right. And so much time in, in coaching and education, uh, you handle things differently. Um, you know, because of each situation, you know, there, there are times when, you know, uh, a lot of times when I don't send people to the office, when they say bad words in class where other teachers send them up to the principal's office, because I know that person needs to talk in the hallway, you know, and they had a situation at home or something else. So as a professional coach Woodson will handle that the way he does. And, and it very well could be that the discipline's been handed out or will be handed out in the summer and will not affect games. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to, to see a suspension based on what we've seen. Um, but Coach Woodson's in charge, and I think he'll he'll take care of it, and X will be better for it. Yeah, I, I feel like some coaches would worry about the reaction and the questions they would get in the press conference if they didn't do a suspension, and I don't feel like Mike Woodson would care one bit about that. Right, you know, I agree. That's, that's why I'm starting to really wonder if there will be a suspension because there's so much time for him to dole out whatever justice he might do and then at you know at that point, what is the point of doing a suspension that far removed from it? Um, so you know, I, I I don't know. So I'm just I'm I know we we've kind of spoken like we just assume something will happen two or three games, and I just really wonder if that's actually the case. So we'll see. Tony, do you have any other uh, differing thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I or no, <laughs> I don't have any differing thoughts. I think that you know just if it's not. A game suspension. I don't think that means that he's letting him slide without consequence. Yes, um, is is the main point. I think that we all agree upon. As Jeff says, Mike Woodson doesn't give a flying flip what anybody else thinks. This is <laughs> this is definitely true. Um, okay, we've got a few other comments here from the chat mob on the Twitter random and ridiculous question about who would play us in the movie. Joel Wonder says uh, Adam Sandler would play Ryan. 
Jeff says Miles Teller is Jared. Stanley Tucci is coach. Stanley Tucci is coach would be great. And Justin Hartley is Tony. I don't know who Miles Teller and Justin Hartley are. Um, oh, Hank. That's what, yes, that's what uh, um, Dean Norris's name was in Breaking Bad. Uh, let's see. Megan Willis says that Steve Buscemi for Ryan. <laughs> that would be good. Uh, Paul Rudd is Ryan. Paul Rudd for Ryan is a pretty good one. Adam Arkin is Ryan. Andrew Garfield is Andy. Yeah, Paul Rudd is is a good one. Jason Bateman for Andy. I could definitely see Jason Bateman for Andy. All right, well, some great ideas here. We uh we appreciate those um, very much. But let's uh let's close this out before we get to a little bit of AC After Dark here. Um, before uh, we hang up the mics for the evening. But that is going to do it for us on this edition of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights normally for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. Thank you, as always, to Bob Thompson for his dumb questions, but more importantly, for producing the music. Thanks to John Ringer of Riggs Design for designing our logos, and thank you for listening. We will talk to you again next week, but make sure you go to Switchyard because Galen will be there to talk to you Saturday at Switchyard. Until then, take it from me, Juwan Morgan. Keep your elbows in, eyes on the rim, and go Hoosiers. I like everything about that. And good luck tomorrow night, Juwan. Hopefully you uh, get some time and a nice big Celtics win that gives us a game seven. Um, All right, well, you know what that means. It is 1024 Eastern Time, 924 Central, 624 uh, on the Pacific Coast. Another episode of Assembly Call Radio is done, but we are not done. When the show is over, but there's more to be said. Pour yourself a drink now Put the kitties to bed It's time to cut loose No more censored remarks So cozy up, chat mob It's time for AC After Man, that's already out of date with the Coach Five comment. We're gonna gonna have to update that. Um, all right. So one of the things that you all should know from a schedule perspective, like if we ever start uh, an eight o'clock show, well, eight o'clock Central, nine o'clock Eastern, if we ever start a show five, ten, fifteen minutes late that I am hosting. It is most likely because I am cutting it very close with my son's bedtime. We typically go up and take a bath at like 7.30. We read books. Now, he's usually pretty good. And I'm out of there by like 7.50, 7.55, you know. But there are uh, times when it can take a little bit longer. And so tonight, uh, I was up there putting him to bed. Uh, and some text messages started flying back and forth. Now, I didn't you know, read any of these because I was in the middle of reading uh, books to my son. Uh, but Tony, maybe you can read a few of these text messages, maybe in context, just read like the three or four messages before the one after, and it'll really highlight how ridiculous, uh, this text was that I sent in the context of when it got sent. And then I'll try to explain it. 
Yes. So uh, I emailed where the show note, or I texted where the show notes sent. Uh, Coach, yes. And then I say, I don't think I received them. And Coach says, email at 2.50 today. So I start to look back through my email. And as I am looking through my email, the notification comes through. And I had to take a double back on on uh, if my wife was texting me or if Jared was texting me. And so Jared writes, I love running and walking silent and talking. I love you through and through yesterday, today, and tomorrow too. Yes, that, followed up by Tony saying, didn't receive it for some reason, can you forward? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I thought that was a quote from uh, uh, Jim from The Office or something. Like when- I did too, because we sent a picture of... Uh... <laughs> so I just kept it moving. <laughs> no, so, so my son's favorite new book is this book called I Love You Through and Through. And it's, you know, it just goes through. It says, I love you through and through. I love your top side. I love your bottom side. I love your inside. I love your outside. I love you talking. I love you walking. And so what must have happened, because I had my phone in my pocket, is when the text came through, somehow I must have like adjusted my leg and the speech to text came on right as I was in the middle of reading this part of the book. Uh, I love you running and walking, silent and talking. I love you through and through yesterday, today, and tomorrow too. It's a very, very sweet book. An amazingly sweet book, um, but certainly looks incredibly out of place. I showed my daughter as soon as I got out of there, and she like grabs my phone and runs up and shows my wife, and she thought it was the funniest thing uh, <laughs> that she had ever heard. So I've never been more ready for a show <laughs> than the warm feeling I got from the main host tonight. And I'm thinking, what kind of text do I have to send to everyone when I'm hosting the show to get everyone ready? I mean, I was just, whew. That yes. was awesome. Definitely a meaningful moment. <laughs> <laughs> Yesterday, uh, today, and tomorrow, too. And tomorrow, too. That's right. And tomorrow. So, yeah. So, that was the uh, the fun text message that was sent. That's I so think weird. I'm going to use that with Mrs. Tonsoni tonight <laughs> after the show. <laughs> word for word. Word for word. <laughs> I'll have my phone, and I'll just be reading it. Here I go, Mrs. Donsoni. I love you running and walking, silent and talking. Yeah, I am definitely going to go upstairs. Uh, Man, that's funny. That is is funny. Well, gentlemen, thanks for being here. And by the way, someone said, uh, I really like all this new music. That the, the AC After Dark, that's not new. We just haven't been doing as much AC After Dark stuff. So we'll we'll get back to doing more AC after dark, having some fun stories. And <laughs> I give permission. I give permission to Bob to make a song out of your quote before he. Oh makes yes, about me. <laughs> uh, Bob, if you need me to provide vocals for it, you know I can. I'm happy to do that, and we'll just we'll really lean into it. <laughs> all right well good stuff uh, thanks everybody for being here uh this was a wonderful 90 minute tiktok video that we produced for you this evening um <laughs> hey before we go one quick thing that i didn't get to watch last week's show so you guys may have mentioned it but um courtney cronin won uh, around the horn the other day on espn that was pretty cool whoa iu alum yeah hey, that's awesome look at that yeah it was pretty neat that is awesome. she, uh, yeah, there you go I meant to talk about that when I first opened up, and then I spaced it. But it was uh, that quote. You started reading that quote right away. Did, it threw you just, off. 
got in your guys' heads a little bit. <laughs> he did. Threw me off my game. But, yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. She she won on her first time on the show. All right. So, a reminder. Actually, I have two reminders here to close out with. Number one, Brunch for a Cause, Saturday at Switchyard. It's from 10 to 2. Galen's going to be there doing stuff, and I think he's going to uh, um, kind of start you know, doing a show at noon. And we now have three players confirmed to come. So, Anthony is going to be there, Jordan Geronimo, Miller Cop. All three extremely, you know, interesting and engaging guys. So that's going to be a lot of fun. So go there, you know, support those guys, support Galen, only heckle him a little bit. Like, let's keep the heckling to a minimum, some heckling. Let's keep Galen honest, but not too much heckling. Um, and support Who's Your Ticket Project, because really support the things that those guys are doing. The other thing that I want to mention is you guys may have seen uh, a tweet from... TJD, hero of the assembly call, uh, who tweeted earlier today, I'm excited to make an impact with my movement this summer through my Hoosiers for Good Charity partner, Turnstone Center's Push Paddle Pedal event. You can visit their page to join me. And so I'm going to tweet this out. So if you go to Twitter assembly call or if you're in our community, I will tweet this out. But it's Turnstone Center. They're doing this Push uh, Paddle Pedal where basically you commit to doing, I don't even remember what the number is, like 10,000 or 100,000, whatever it is, a certain number of miles um, between now and August 31st. And you pledge $25 to be part of this fundraiser. And so I started a team for the Back Home Network. I'm in, my wife is in, we're both going to do this. And we set a goal of $1,588, which is the number of points that Trace Jackson Davis has scored in his IU career. I think if we can get 65 people to pledge 25 bucks, we'll hit that. If we want to go up to 2,613 points or dollars, which is, of course, the number of points that Calvert Chaney still holds the Big Ten scoring record for, it would be like 104 of us. Um, but go there. You pledge 25 bucks. You hook up your app and count, you know, whether you're a walker or a runner or a canoer or a cyclist, whatever it is. And I got to remember what the number of miles is, but it's some reasonable number of miles and you kind of do it. We all do it together. So it's something that we can do together to get healthy. But most importantly, uh, you know, we support Turnstone's mission, which is helping improve the lives of children and adults with disabilities. Um, Megan says, Jeebus, Jared, you only have to do a hundred. I guess like a thousand or whatever I said, a million miles would probably be a lot. So it's a hundred miles. Okay. So that's very doable. But anyway, go there and do that. I'll send out the link on our Twitter. Um, so you can see it cause sign up with us and let's, uh, I think it will be a good thing to do. We can promote it out. You know, let's show that we support a good cause. Let's show that we support trace. Um, you know, cause obviously as you know, businesses see that, you know, w when they get players to endorse their stuff, that it has an impact. That's obviously going to help with future, um, uh, you know, NIL opportunities. So I will put it in the podcast show notes. I will tweet it out. I will put it everywhere that we do stuff, but go there. It's 25 bucks to join. Um, and it supports a good cause and, uh, and we can all do it together. Joel says, can I do drinks? Technically? Yes. Like if you're moving while you drink. Oh, and the other thing is if you do, if you do the $25 fundraiser, you actually get a ticket for a free drink, Joel, if you're ever going to be in Fort Wayne, cause they're located in Fort Wayne, I think, uh, wherever like their little hangout, places. I don't remember what it's called, but you'll see it when you go there. Um, so anyway, if you guys want to do it, 25 bucks, let's, uh, let's do it and support. Morris trying to give us all heart attacks. No, I'm trying to prevent heart attacks here. This is what we're trying <laughs> You're to do. You're too late. 
Well, let's prevent any more. <laughs> Heart attack humor. Ninety-three minutes into the assembly call. This is this is, this is AC after dark, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> all right, but seriously, it'll be fun to do. I'll put the link in there. Um, so let's all uh, let's do that together. All right, guys, have a good evening. Uh, let's enjoy a fun game six tomorrow, and then uh, we'll be back here next week for another edition of the assembly call. Thanks, Tony everybody. Coach. I love you guys. Today, tomorrow, <laughs> or whatever the line was. I don't remember. Yesterday, today, and tomorrow, too. Yesterday, today, and tomorrow, too. That's right. I love you through and through. <laughs> <laughs> See you, everybody. Good night. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So, do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.